American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're pining for baseball season since the season hasn't started yet due to the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about how much I miss baseball and listening to Tom Hamilton. But a story like today's helps me to look forward to better times. Right. Today we're talking about a good man, a good Catholic, and perhaps the greatest catcher of all time, Lorenzo Pietro Berra, more commonly known as Yogi Berra. He is the only player to win 10 World Series rings, and he appeared in 18 All-Star games, which is the most by a catcher, four more than the great Johnny Bench. He was a three-time AL Most Valuable Player and caught the only perfect game in World Series history, pitched by Don Larson. But like with so many of these stories, the humble beginnings don't usually suggest the lofty heights of later life. No, not at all. Barra was born in 1926 in the Italian enclave of St. Louis known as The Hill, or, pejoratively, Dago Hill. It was a blue-collar, working-man, Catholic part of St. Louis, and lots of kids grew up together playing ball and going to church. Barra's father had come through Ellis Island in 1909, with his mother and two eldest siblings coming over a few years later after fleeing the horrible poverty of Italy. They settled on Dago Hill and Barra and two other siblings were born there later. Baseball and their parish church, St. Ambrose, were formative integral parts of childhood that would inform the rest of Barra's life. He learned about brotherhood, redemption, and forgiveness, three themes that we'll see in Barra's life later. Again, like we talked about with Babe Ruth in episode 16, the faith is something that when you get it down in the roots, It's always there for you. And right across the street from Barra's home on Dago Hill was his best friend growing up, a boy who was just nine months younger than Barra, Joe Garagiola. Right. Barra and Garagiola grew up playing baseball together. Both became catchers and both played American Legion ball. It was while playing in the American Legion circuit that Lorenzo Pietro Barra acquired the nickname Yogi. Right. One of his teammates noticed that he would sit cross-legged while waiting for his turn to bat or after games and said he looked like a Hindu yogi, and the name stuck. Okay, so Barra and Garagiola get noticed by the St. Louis Cardinals and other big league clubs. In 1942, when they were both 16, it was Garagiola who was considered the better prospect. So the St. Louis Cardinals signed Garagiola, leaving Barra available when the Yankees came calling. Yeah, the Yankees clearly made out better in that. Barra went on to baseball immortality, and while Garagiola was a respectable catcher for many years, he left baseball and went on to a more successful career as a TV host, including hosting the Today Show, some game shows, and a number of other things. But before Barra could begin his professional career in earnest, There was something else happening in the world that had an impact on the lives of men in their late teens. No, World War II. Exactly. Yogi joined the Navy and volunteered to serve on rocket ships because he thought they had an exciting name. But the joke was on him. They were actually slow, vulnerable ships that were used as a platform to launch rockets against enemy installations. Right. And aboard one of them, at 19 years old, 
Barrett took part in D-Day, firing on German positions above Utah Beach. Now, my own grandfather took part in the assault on D-Day, but he was part of the assault that landed on Omaha Beach. It's an incredible story and maybe even an episode of its own one day. Mm, could be. <laughs> and Barra, though part of the Navy, did go ashore eventually, so it's possible that he and your grandfather crossed paths in those crazy circumstances. Well, not likely, but I suppose possible. Yeah. So anyhow, after the war, Barra came back and played minor league ball and was called up by the Yankees for his rookie campaign in 1947. He was 21. He was also Italian, and in those days, Italians had to endure terrible bigotry. Yeah, Barra was called Ape, Nature Boy, Dago, Hunchback, and Quasimodo, and other names. His taller and more elegant teammate, Joe DiMaggio, who also obviously was Italian, was known as Big Dago, and Barra was Little Dago. But Barra absorbed the abuse with a good nature. Right, he didn't let it bother him much, replying, You don't hit with your face. And he certainly showed that he could hit. We've already mentioned the big numbers for his playing career. Suffice to reiterate, he was a very good catcher. Yeah, perhaps the best of all time. And it takes someone as great as Johnny Bench to even make it a close question. Right. So let's talk about the rest of Barra's life, stuff off the field. Some things about his managerial career and how his Catholic faith informed so many things. Yeah, so yes, Barra grew up at St. Ambrose and Father Palumbo was a force of influence in his young life. Confession on Saturday, Mass on Sunday. As a player, he attended Mass every Sunday and would frequently cajole teammates to join him. Stump Merrill, who coached for the Yankees when Barra was a manager in 1984, said that he remembered Barra inviting him to Mass. And when he told Yogi that he wasn't Catholic, Barra just said, Don't worry, just do what I do. Then Merrill relates, It was easy because he couldn't kneel either because his knees were as bad as mine. Vera married his wife Carmen in 1949, and when they got married, she wasn't even religious. But she eventually became Catholic because, as she put it, it seemed to me that a religion that had such a grip on Yogi must be a good one. Yogi and Carmen had three sons, and together they instilled the importance of Sunday Mass in their sons. As Yogi put it, based on his own upbringing, quote, If you were going to be sick, you better make sure you were, because if you weren't at Mass in the morning— you sure weren't going to be playing ball in the afternoon. Certainly had his priorities straight. Uh, yeah, and Yogi and Carmen were married for 65 years. Amazing. Yogi spent more than 20 years after his playing career as a coach and manager, and there is one particular story that shows the influence of his Catholic faith. Yes, it had to do with his short stint as manager of the Yankees under George Steinbrenner. Yogi was happy to be named the manager in 1984, but he wasn't unaware of what kind of owner Steinbrenner was, how meddlesome and egoistical and loudmouthed he frequently was. Barrow once said, George and I just agreed different. The Yankees went 87 and 75 in 1984, placing third in the American League. They were in a process of revamping the team, and Barrow was looking forward to the following season. Steinbrenner had promised that Barrow would manage the entire 1985 season. So it came as a terrible shock when Steinbrenner fired him just 16 games into the 1985 season. Barra just cleaned out his locker and left Yankee Stadium, and he didn't return for 14 years. Now, Yogi was usually patient and even-tempered, so staying away from Yankee Stadium, a place where he had been central to so many amazing moments, was a significant step. Right. Barra was deeply hurt by what had happened. He said that it wasn't that he was fired so early in the season. He knew that managers were hired to be fired, as he would put it, especially by George Steinbrenner. 
It wasn't even that Steinbrenner went back on his promise that Barrow would manage the entire season. He said what did it was that Steinbrenner didn't do it himself in person, but rather sent someone else to deliver the message. Barrow thought that since he'd given nearly 40 years to the organization... And what amazing years they were. Right, but he figured that he deserved to be told in person. So he vowed never to return so long as Steinbrenner owned the team. And he absolutely, resolutely held to his word for many years. Former teammates begged him to return for old-timers games. He refused. His plaque was unveiled in Monument Park. He didn't go. He wouldn't let go until George Steinbrenner was no longer the owner. But then his kids and his Catholic upbringing changed things. Right. In December 1998, his son Dale was given the message that George was willing to apologize. He reasoned with his father that if Steinbrenner was willing to come apologize in person, shouldn't he be willing to accept? Initially, Yogi refused. But then Dale reminded him that no one from his family had been to Yankee Stadium since that day, which included his nine grandchildren. None of them had ever been to Yankee Stadium, the place where their grandfather had been royalty. This caused Yogi to reflect. He said, quote, My upbringing had taught me to believe in brotherhood, redemption, and forgiveness. I believe God wants us to forgive as he forgives us. But this thing with George was really eating at me. Finally, I agreed to see him. On January 5, 1999, he flew up from Florida to meet me and my wife, Carmen, at my museum. We had a heartfelt talk. George apologized. Quote, Yogi, firing you was the worst mistake I made in baseball. I knew that was tough for him to admit, let alone say to my face. Okay, well, I've made a lot of wrong mistakes, too, I said. Fourteen years is long enough. It's over. So his Catholic upbringing helped him to overcome his hurt and be reconciled with George Steinbrenner. Right. And so the Yankees made a big deal about the first time Barrow returned to Yankee Stadium on July 18, 1999. They had Yogi Berra Day. Don Larson, who had thrown that perfect game in the World Series to Berra in 1956, came out to throw the first pitch, and Berra caught it. And then, just because this was a storybook story, the Yankee pitcher that day, David Cohn, threw his own perfect game. Berra was back where he belonged, in Yankee Stadium, and involved in Yankee baseball. And that brings out the thing that Berra may be most known for beyond baseball, yogiisms. He would say things that were just wacky or too simple or in some way were just unexpected. Right. You know what he meant, but his turn of phrase would be interesting. Right. So one of them was when he was in the Yankees clubhouse and Derek Jeter, the Hall of Fame Yankee shortstop, was in a slump at the plate. Jeter asked Yogi for advice. And after some thought with the team gathered around in reverent silence, Yogi said, I've got your solution. Swing at strikes. Seems simple. Right. But there was a lot of wisdom behind it. In another episode, Barra had the opportunity to have an audience with Pope St. John XXIII. A reporter asked about it later, and the exchange went like this. I understand you had an audience with the Pope. No, but I saw him. Did you get to talk with him? I sure did. We had a nice little chat. What did he say? You know, he must have read the papers a lot because he said, hello, Yogi. And what did you say? I said, hello, Pope. Classic unassuming and just genuine around people. Right. And some of the best known yogiisms were baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. It's deja vu all over again. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. The future ain't what it used to be. Nobody goes there. It's too crowded. It ain't over till it's over. We were overwhelming underdogs. And just to top it off, he claimed, I didn't really say everything I said. Right. 
tautologies, mathematical and logical impossibilities, and non sequiturs abound. But yeah, you know what he means. And some of those have entered common speech, like, it ain't over till it's over. Right, a perfectly true statement and so simple that anyone could have said it when they were staring defeat in the face. But Barra, since he was perhaps the winningest single athlete in modern sports history, might have said it to prevent anyone on his team from getting too complacent with a lead. True, but what you just said brings up a great point to consider. Here was the son of poor Italian immigrants who was not a large man. He stood only five foot seven, who just had a happy and childlike approach to life in general, who was a lifelong practicing Catholic of the simplest and most faithful sort, married for 65 years to the woman whom he married when he was 23, and he ended up as a revered and successful athlete and a beloved cultural figure. Just a great American life. Right. After 65 years of marriage, Yogi's wife, Carmen, died in March of 2014 following a stroke. Yogi held on for another 18 months until he died on September 22, 2015, at the age of 90. It was the day Pope Francis arrived in the United States for his apostolic visit and the 69th anniversary of his major league debut. Bear's funeral was celebrated on September 29th at Immaculate Conception, the parish he had gone to in Montclair, New Jersey, for the 50 years he'd lived there. The main celebrant for his funeral was Timothy Cardinal Dolan, Archbishop of New York, who had known Yogi well in life. Cardinal Dolan said of Yogi, recalling his penchant for malapropisms, but his simple way about life. A philosopher, we know he was, right? A theologian, Hardly. But he also added, Yogi may not have been able to articulate his faith very well, but it was simply part of who he was. And what better can be said about anyone? You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting us in the spirit. This I is can't. a baseball episode. It's baseball. <laughs> Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play today. Look at me. I can be center field. I haven't had a miracle like that since Loves, Loves and Fishes night. And that's the ball game.